Um, have you ever seen the movie Good Will Hunting with Ben Affleck and uh, Matt Damon? About 1997, uh, 98, something like that. Those two men wrote that uh, screenplay for that movie. And, if you, and I thought about playing a clip from it, but in the movie, and I'm not, um, Matt Damon is, as uh, Affleck says, he is, and I can't get my Boston accent out, he's wicked smart. He's wicked smart. He is a janitor at MIT, which is in Boston. Uh, those of you who know, I spent a year in Boston uh, at BU, uh, Boston University, which is a Methodist school. But uh, rode the train, you go by to see it, you know, that kind of thing. You think, wow, those guys are super smart. And in a uh, math class, the, uh, and I don't know what level, what type of math, whatever it was, the professor had written a problem on the hallway outside the classroom with the challenge to his students that sometime during the course of the semester, they might be able to solve the problem. And Matt Damon's character being wicked smart, um, he uh, is polishing the floors and sees the question and answers it, solves it, writes it on the board. And from all outside appearances, a janitor, unschooled, um, battered around, if you watch the movie, foster home, being abused as a child, has a psychological profile that he really can, he has a dissociative type of uh, classification that he cannot uh, make and keep relationships with other people, other than the small circle of friends that he has grown up with. And they were judging him um, by his mere appearance. In fact, the first time the professor encounters him, he runs after him and says, who are you? You know, get off this board and until he looks at the board and realizes that, you know, Will, uh, his name is Will Hunting in the movie. And those of you who, you know, so I dig down in movies. I love movies, and, and I love Robin Williams. Robin Williams, one of his last lines in the movie, he is a psychologist who will counsel Will, and they build this strong relationship. It was an improv line, the last line that Robin Williams says when Matt Damon's character, Will, says, I found a girl, I'm going to go after her. And he says, good Will Hunting which became the title of the story. And it was all Robin Williams being Robin Williams. But in any event, Jesus faced those same type of um, judging people. His outward appearance, they did not think he would have the experience, um, the education, the social class to be able to do what he did in the temple as we see in this uh, text today from John, the seventh chapter. Have you enjoyed walking on your way through John this past, whatever, now we're on like month 10, I guess, of it? Yeah, I, I know Ed does. Ed said he studies all week just to see if I know anything. So, and I'm like, Ed, you don't have to study all week. I don't. I, and ask Wayne Mars. I couldn't even find the surprise birthday party for his wife last Sunday. I drove two different places, Pipe Creek, Lake Hills, and had a good hour and a half drive, and we came home. So, didn't even get any cake. Did you save me a piece, Barbara? No. Okay, well, yeah. And he said, just as a good church member, he said, well, you weren't in sync. You weren't listening to the master, all the things that I said about him last week, because he said, you didn't hear my directions. And I said, well, okay, here we go. But 
You remember the context. Last week, we uh, found Jesus. He had left the area of Judea to Jerusalem and went back to his homeland of Galilee. He went to his home, and he's hanging out there because they're seeking to kill him in the area of Jerusalem. And, you know, I, I told Dan and Pierce this, I think, this week, or at least it came to my mind. I, I didn't say it in the sermon last week. Why would his brothers say, you should go to Jerusalem? Because they know they want to kill him there. I'm wondering, did he take his old room back, and he came home, you know, and they're like, he booted out one of the brothers, and they're super mad. But in any event, he says, it is not my time right now. It's not my time to go. They went ahead and go, they go on to uh, the feast of the, what was it? Tabernacles, okay. And I mentioned last week that there are three feasts mentioned in the Old Testament that every upstanding Jewish man was challenged to go back to. And I think we mentioned the Feast of Tabernacle, and I think I mentioned the Passover. And there was a third one that Ed, being the good student he is, emailed me this week. But before Ed shouts it out, someone raise your hand, because I have two T-shirts over here. Remember we talked about handing out a T-shirt who could, somebody who could figure out the third one of those. Anybody other than Ed? Mark? Well, that would be the Feast of Passover, which, I mean, every one of them has kind of like two names. Like the Feast of the Tabernacle is also called the Feast of Booths because they're, remember they were setting up these little booths like how they were when they were in the desert and everybody's trying to connect with the wandering time. Passover is that obviously getting out of Egypt and that special meal for that. Who said that and didn't raise their hand? It is. You rose your hand for her, so would you want yellow or black? That's a, I, only two options I have, and I only have one size, so it fits you or it doesn't fit you. Which one do you want, yellow or black? Uh, yellow. yellow, catch. Ed, you got the black one, so there you go. Because Ed emailed me this week and said, hey, is it Passover? Yeah, it is. Also called Ed, what's it also called? And also called? Oh, there should be a slide. Because I don't think it's called Pentecost in the in, uh, you see the you see the text guys do 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 Deuteronomy sixteen sixteen, yep festival of weeks that is Pentecost okay so that's those are the three ones and that's what I was referencing last time so anyway now we can get back to what we're doing today Jesus tells his brothers that the right time hasn't come for him however he does find his way to Jerusalem a few days after they had left even though the Jews were looking for them. And today, we find Jesus in the temple halfway through the feast. So, if you have your Bibles, John 7, verse 14. I mentioned last week that the feast lasted seven days, but there was a, like, end all, of end all feast day after that. So, it really asked about eight days. So, <clears throat> halfway, fourth day, I don't know, verse 14. Not until halfway, and <laughs> here's another one, uh, Aaron. I stood up, I don't know if you noticed while we were singing, I stood up and opened my Bible to the text, and all of Revelations fell out of my Bible. Hmm, what does that mean? <laughs> the Bible's been falling apart for a while, but it actually ripped a page. Actually, from like Revelations 2 through the concordance in the back came out. So, yeah, I don't know. I love this Bible. I don't want to get rid of this one. John 14, or John 7, verse 14. Not until halfway through the feast did Jesus go up to the temple courts and begin to teach. The Jews were amazed and asked, how does this man get such learning without having studied? Jesus answered, my teaching is not my own. It comes from him who sent me. 
If anyone chooses to do God's will, he will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. He who speaks on his own does so to gain honor for himself. There's that word honor. Doxe is the Greek word. But he who works for the honor of the one who sent him is a man of truth. Aletheis. <laughs> My Greek days come back. That was, we had a true-false question every day in Greek. Aletheis or Sudeis, true or false. There is nothing false, Sudeis, about him. Has not Moses given you the law? Yet not one of you keeps the law. Why are you trying to kill me? You are demon-possessed, the crowd answered. Who is trying to kill you? Jesus said to them, I did one miracle, and you all are astonished. Yet because Moses gave you circumcision, though actually it did not come from Moses, but from the patriarchs, you circumcise a child on the Sabbath. Now if a child can be circumcised on the Sabbath, so that the law of Moses may not be broken, why are you angry with me for healing the whole man on the Sabbath? Stop judging by mere appearances and make a right judgment. Today we are schooled again by the Master. Let's pray. Father, as we look at this text that some of us perhaps are very familiar with, some perhaps not, help us to find in it uh, the ways that Jesus reveals himself to the crowd and the ways that we might be able to conform more to his likeness than our own. He talks about judging on mere appearances, and Lord, we're so guilty of that. We look at others and assume that we're better because of whatever reason. They look different, sound different, talk different, think different. Help us to think and love and look at them as you look at us. Speak to our hearts this day, for I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So, first point I have is schooled by a substitute teacher. Now, when I was in elementary school and high school, I remember a few substitute teachers. I'm from a dinky town, so I'm sure the, the pool for substitute teachers was very small. Um, I learned more about substitute teachers from my four children going to various schools I've gone to, and then the youngest two doing like the last six years of their uh, middle school and high school here in, in Holotus. And often they'd come home and say, we had a substitute teacher. And then I learned about substitute teachers because I've met people who either choose to be a substitute, like a full-time substitute, which is a, you know, it's kind of like an oxymoron. I'm a full-time substitute, you know. Or they are supplementing their retirement with, you know, filling in here and there when they can. So um, all I can say is my memories of substitute teachers was they didn't get the respect that the primary teacher got. And I'm looking at three teachers row there almost, yeah, or four teachers row. Yeah, there's all kinds of there are all kinds of teachers in here. But and they probably didn't know your name. They had to call a roll and maybe they took note and said, that's the fat kid in husky pants, me sitting back there. I'll remember him because he's gonna cut up and I'm gonna write it down. And sometimes they didn't have a lesson plan. Those are the ones I remember. And uh, they might just say, what chapter were you in and whatever subject and you read it there in your books, and don't bother me because I've got stuff to, you know, crossword puzzle to work on. But um, enter Jesus as the substitute teacher into the temple, and there he shakes the very foundation of the temple. His teaching is beyond the mere expectations of a carpenter. 
of the son of parents who had to run off to a foreign city for his birth. Now, granted, they did it for the census, but they were not married. In small towns, people talk. And then they left that small area and went to Egypt. And finally, they found their way back to their home area of Galilee. This young man, 30-some-odd-year-old man, did not have the respect that other teachers in the temple would have had. He had no Ph.D., if you will, in rabbinic studies. He didn't have a master's. He didn't have a bachelor's. Some were elbowing each other. I don't know if he had a high school education. But if you are well-versed enough, you'll know that when he was just a young man, about 12 years old, he went up to the temple, and he astounded the priest there with his knowledge of his father's words. He was judged by his lack of public education, if you will, or paid education. It was the same thing that happened to Peter and John in Acts. You will find that when they present to the Jews, I think it's Acts chapter 4, they are uh, well received until they realize that these are uneducated men. And then somebody, I think the way Paul writes it, uh, Luke, sorry, writes it, um, they had been around Jesus. So by being around Jesus, they became smarter in God's word. Have you ever been judged by your appearance? Yeah, I'm sure you have. You're, maybe you were and you didn't note it, uh, notice it. But you're judged sometimes by your family history. You may be judged by your previous failures. Yeah, you're the kid who threw airplanes in the balcony of the church out the windows. That was me. You're the kid who wrecked his car 13 weeks after you got your driver's license. 13 days after you got your driver's license. Yeah, that was me. You're a kid who got kicked out of high school for a week for skipping school. Yeah, that was me. You're the kid who got on probation the first year of college because you didn't go to class and didn't do too well. Academic probation. What do you mean? I have a 1.5 average on a four-point scale. Yeah. <clears throat> have you ever been judged by someone? They dismiss you because you don't agree with them. You don't look like them. Your accent is different. You speak a different language. Your hair color, your skin color, your eye color is different. But Jesus, as he takes the stand or the pulpit, if you will, as a rabbi, which was no uncommon practice for visiting people, especially at a festival. You have learned men who come in, and they maybe came from their small town where they were the local rabbi. Now they're in the temple, and they're going to teach. And he begins to speak. And they are amazed with his learning and study. Last Greek lesson, I think, of the day, Chapman Thomas. Those two words leap out like me, learning and study. They are the two words that we get grammar and math from. Like, how in the world did we get learning and study from grammar and math? I guess that's what's pretty important in school. I was okay in math. Grammar, I weren't so good. Yeah. Where did he get these degrees, they're saying? And he says to them, from the Father. 
You know, if you've ever got a degree, it, it will say something about, I don't know, the faculty, you know, the board of trustees, blah, blah, confer this degree upon this person, and that's all this writing, and all you want to see is your name, and maybe above it or below it is the degree title, Bachelor of Science, you know, of Arts, or GED, or whatever it might be. No joke, my, my aunt, who was like 70-some-odd years old, got her GED because she had dropped out of high school. She was, did so well, they offered her a full ride at the local junior college. So you're, you're never too old to show what you know, okay? Especially when it comes to knowing something about the Lord. He got his degree from the Father, and he seeks to glorify him, the Father, not himself. Whereas others, often when they are in public or when they're trying to showboat, they're trying to show off themselves. And what's more, he says, by doing God's will, you will understand his will even better. Wow. Learning by doing. And I know that's sure some of the teachers out here will tell me some proper names for that, but that was the best substitute teacher ever who said, it's a beautiful day, let's go outside. Or better yet, when you're in school, did you like field trips? Yeah, I want to stay at home. I want to stay back in the school and read. No, I want to go on a field trip. I want to go outside. And that's what Jesus is saying. Take the will of the Father and go outside from this place. Go on a field trip and share what you know with others. And by doing his will, you will understand him even better. And as Jesus is saying that, these people that are looking at him call him crazy because he says you guys claim to know the will of the father you claim to follow the mosaic law you don't even follow the ten commandments because i think number six or so is thou shalt not kill and you guys are trying to kill me and they're like oh you must be crazy who's trying to kill you well if you follow along at all in this gospel account about two chapters ago they're planning to kill him they've been planning to kill him since early on in this gospel of john and he throws it back in their face let me pause for a moment and say that at chapter 7, verse 14, most people, most, I shouldn't say that, there's a large number of uh, biblical scholars who think that somehow when the book of John was put together, it should have gone from John 5:47 to 7:14. In other words, that little section is out of order. And I will say it does read a little more uh, seamless. Let me read that. Verse 46, I'll back up. If you believe Moses, you would believe in me, for he wrote about me. But since you do not believe what he wrote, how are you going to believe what I say? And then it talks about he's in the temple, and he's teaching, and says, my teaching comes from him who sent me, and on and on. So I, I see their point, but I just want to throw that out for you. Some of you, Ed, you may have read that this week as you were studying this passage. And I want to make sure Ed gets credit for studying and uh, staying on top of this. So... Um, Remember that all this has happened since Jesus healed the man beside the pool at Bethesda. He healed a man on the Sabbath, and that's what got him in trouble. It wasn't the fact that he healed him. He did it on the Sabbath. And that's what still blows my mind today that you, they took the, the commandment to honor the Sabbath to the nth degree that someone who was hurting, someone who was in need for, what was it, like 38 years this man had been there? And they want to persecute and kill Jesus 
for making it where the man doesn't have to wait there anymore because he did it on a Sunday or a Sabbath day. Jesus said he took that one miracle, and you want to kill me. Of course, he did many others. But that brings us on to the next one. Schooled on judgment. Have you ever been schooled by someone? I asked uh, Trey that earlier today, if you'd ever been schooled as a collegiate swimmer. You know, you go up somebody, you think you're really good. And he said he swam against a couple of Olympians and held his own. And, of course, Dennis was in my office when we said this, and they both were 75 years old, the ones he was swimming against when he was in college. No, they were not. No. And he said there were some guys. You say a guy from Alabama was an Olympic swimmer you are swimming against? You know, you sometimes, if you know what being schooled means, you know, you think you are, I bet there's somebody could school some of them tennis guys back there. You know, you are the number one guy or gal. And then you go against somebody who's like five degrees above you, and you're like, wow. Or it could be, I know how to do this. You know, Dan and I do this a lot. Dan knows how to do a lot of things. Cliff knows how to do a few things. And we'll be doing something and go, we better call Wayne Mars because he knows more. Come and school, school us, Wayne Mars. You get schooled by your teachers. You get school, schooled sometimes by a policeman. Because often, when you think you're in the right or you've got the right way, uh, being schooled is learning a better way. And sometimes at the risk of your emotions. So Jesus is schooling them on judgment. I actually, when I can't do something and I know somebody's around me, I'll say, school me on this. Teach me how to do this. And I think that's a good advice for all of us, to have Jesus school us on the things in our lives. He told them that if you could circumcise a child, which is taking something from the body, on the Sabbath, what is wrong with making a man's body whole again on the same day. The logic of his argument is spectacular. Circumcision connected the people with the covenant of God made with Abraham. You can see Genesis 17 for that. And then it was commanded by Moses in Leviticus chapter 2. That's why you have in this verse that you obey Moses, but it was actually instituted by the patriarch. So you see both a connection between Abraham and Moses on circumcision. But these people of this day, you know, now we're generations past is in Jesus' time. They had placed right and ritual over compassion and common sense. They were connected with the actions of a man ordered by God when Jesus was acting and was God in action. So, as I think about that, we as Christians need to be schooled at times. On the outward, we appear to be very much loving, gracious, forgiving. We come to church cleaned up. But Monday through Saturday is when others see us. Sometimes they see us right when you leave church. You know, you could probably drive out here, get to about the Shell Station, you get cut off by a church member. And you won't say, God bless them. You'll say something different. You may wave at them with your thumb or something else. Yeah. You might get to H-E-B and you, you're in the, you know, the 10 or less line and you see a church member or somebody that's not a church member they got 15 things and you're like what are you doing in this line I don't like you you're taking up space 
We judge by appearances. We get angry, we get bitter, and we become selfish. We judge, I think, so we feel better about ourselves. Think that through. Welcome, young people. They're coming in for communion today. That's super. I'm glad you're here. I don't think any of these young people have ever judged anyone. They probably go, yeah, I don't know what you're talking about, preacher. Well, let me say this. Have you ever thought or said, oh, I'm sure you haven't. Maybe you've heard somebody that did this. Well, I would never drive like that maniac. He's an idiot. Or I would never say that to my spouse. I would never do that to my child. I didn't ever get angry at work. I would never wear that dress. I literally would never wear that dress. I could say that. I would never waste money. Oh, wow, I have wasted some money. All to say I want to get a little bit ahead and have the light shine on my own mind. You know, because you can convince yourself. You can rationalize. You can sway your own emotions to think, that's not me. I'm not like that because they're doing it. I don't do that. And we judge by the mere appearances. That's what this text ends on. Jesus says, go ahead and read the book versus judging the book by the cover. Look into it. Love it. Learn it. Use it. And then make your determination. He doesn't say that you can't make judgments, righteous understanding. You know, this is good for me. i got to make sure I don't do that. He doesn't say that you cannot make determinations, but he's saying don't do it on mere appearances. Jesus held school in the temple that day. Let us be better students today. Would you stand with me, please? We'll have a time of invitation before our communion. Our Father, right now as we get ready to sing a song and have this time of decision, a time in which if there's someone here, Lord, who has never accepted the schooling love of Jesus, they've never understood what it means to be a Christian, they've never confessed their sin and repented of that and asked Christ into their heart, this is the moment in this worship service for them to step forward. We'll pray together. We'll ask Christ to come in their lives and transform them and help mold them into his likeness. So, Lord, in this moment, in this invitation hymn, let your Holy Spirit move in our midst, and I pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.